to do this particular thing, whatever it is that God wants you to do. No, God is telling us here that he talks to every single one of us individually, individually. I've shared with you over the last couple of weeks and years of times that God would speak to me and I would respond to that. Now that was my word. That's not your word. You're not expected to do do what I've done. If God speaks to me and says, do this, go there, whatever it is that it is, that's not your responsibility. That's mine. So what God is saying here, so that you understand the voice of God, when you want to hear God, he's going to give you something for you. It's about you and your life. It's about you and your friends. It's about you and what you're doing. So he'll give you a word. He will give us a word. It's God telling us. He talks to every single one of us individually. Uh, each sheep by their name is what the scripture says. Go with me to verse 14. And when he, has brought all, when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. They know his voice. They begin to know his voice. And the reality is here, at the same time that God is speaking with his voice to his sheep, there are other voices that are happening. You're going to see that in the scripture here in just a moment. There are other voices that are happening. But the sheep do not recognize those particular voices. And Jesus said, and this is so stinking cool, Jesus says, uh, for that moment, for that time when those other voices are taking place, those sheep actually don't listen to the other voices. Did you hear that? This is profound. If you and I get to the place where we're hearing God's voice, we anticipate he's going to be speaking to us, and we do, the word of God says that when you are hearing the voice of God, you can drown out the lies and the deception of other voices, is what his scripture says. So let me read it to you in verse 5. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they don't recognize his voice. So when those other voices start coming on that would be resistant to what God has said or resistant to what the word of God says, the Bible says we run from them. We need to run from them. Can I have an amen? We need to run from those voices. We, we do not follow. So in these three verses of John chapter 10, God is actually calling us to a dynamic where we can shut out the wrong voices. We can shut out the wrong voices and hear the voice of God and follow our God instead of being led astray by the enemy. Maybe part of the reason why you're not hearing the voice of God is because you haven't really thought about it. You haven't really pursued this. You really haven't moved in faith toward this. And I'm hoping like crazy, man, what we're talking about in this series, this five-week series, next week is going to be the conclusion. Uh, I'm hoping that you're going to take this more seriously. And instead of being deceived by the enemy, tricked by the enemy, lied to by the enemy, that you're going to be hearing God. And as you hear God, it will push away those forces, push them away from each and every one of us. I want you to hear something right off the bat as I go into this. What I, what I want to talk about today is really some of, the most, some of the most personal side of God in this five-week series that we're talking about. My plan right now as I'm speaking to you, my plan for next week's message, and I never know from week to week exactly what God is going to lead me to, but the plan for next week's message is is going to be entitled Recognize Through Relationship. Recognize Through Relationship. In other words, I want to help you to distinguish God's voice. Is it God speaking to you? Is it God that's speaking to you right now? And the questions I'm going to try to answer is, uh, is it God speaking to you? Does it line up with the Bible, number one? Does it line up with God's word? Number two, will it make me more like Christ? Will I be more like God as a result of him speaking to me? And number three is, do I have peace about it? 
Do I have peace? We're gonna, right now we're going down that vein. It may change. I, I'm not making any promises, so hang with me. Uh, and next week I'm gonna give you the, let, the litmus test of how you test everything that you think is coming from God. Every word, everything that comes to you. It's how you can test everything. So we're gonna do that. So um, over the years, uh, I've had all kinds of people, as you would imagine. I've been in this church for 26 years, pastoring this church and ministry since 1984, officially, uh, public ministry. And over the years, I've had all kinds of people come up to me and say all kinds of things that God told me. <laughs> God, I, I, I almost always laugh because the truth of the matter is, oh, never mind, I don't want to go down that road. Um, so people tell me things, and I'm telling you, it wasn't God. I mean, you don't need to be a scientist. You don't need to be a theologian to figure this out. They'll come up and they'll tell me things. Uh, they, they would say, like, God told me, uh, God told me to leave my wife and have an affair. Come on. That's not God. It's not the God of heaven, that's for sure. You know, so it's, it's crazy what some people, what some people think, what some people believe. Um, so I want to help you, especially next week with those kind of filters today, today I want to make, I want to make sure that you understand that God is speaking to you personally, personally in your sphere of influence, in your life, in your family, whoever that may, may be, that God is speaking, that God is speaking to you. And what I want to quickly give you is the why and the how that is happening. The why is, why does God want to have this personal conversation with me? Why would he want to do that? And the what would be is, uh, the how would be is, what does that look like? Uh, and I, I know, um, I know Again, we've talked about this. I've said all of this before that I'm going to tell you right now, but I have to tell you again because of how important it is. Um, I've mentioned in, in the last three previous messages um, on hearing from God that there are those in the body of Christ who not only, um, not only teach, but actually uh, they believe that God has stopped talking. They really believe that. Whole denominations, people within the body of Christ, they believe that God has stopped talking. And for them, it is now as cut and dry as the last thing that God ever wanted to say to people on earth are only to be found in the Bible. From here on out, if you want to hear God, you are to only go to the Bible and only there. So according to them, what I'm talking about as pastor of this church, I'm wrong. This is craziness. I, don't ho I hope you're not here that you're thinking that, and please don't get up and say anything, but the fact of the matter is there are a lot of people within the body of Christ who don't believe what I'm saying. Listen, the Bible is a great way and a sure way to hear from God, no doubt about that, but for your information, we still have a speaking God. We really do. Speaking to the hearts of those who love him and those who seek him. I don't know if you know uh, Dallas Willard or not. He's just about like a theologian to many people. He's now in heaven. But he says these words. He says, if God doesn't speak today, then the greatest disservice we could ever do to people is to tell them that they can have a personal relationship with God. They could have a personal relationship with God. One of the things that I love to tell people, and especially those who are seeking God, I love to tell them things like this. I love to tell them that God isn't always the God that is represented in a religion or in a local church. That's not always God. Not everything you see with religion, not everything you see with a local church is always uh, representing Jesus or God the way we would see him to be. And I also tell them that, that, that God is not distant. God is not mad at you. God is not critical about you. He's not far away. He's not far away from us. No, our God is up close and he's personal. 
And, and one of the mind-boggling truths of God that I have learned over the years of following him and serving him is that the God of heaven wants to have a life-giving, life-changing, life-fulfilling relationship with you. I know it's projected behind me, but let me say it again. The God of heaven wants to have a life-giving, life-changing, life-fulfilling relationship with you. Yes, God wants that. Yes, God wants that. Almighty God desperately loves you. He created you for a reason. And there are some amazing things in store for those of you who choose to follow God. One of my favorite verses is Psalm 84, 11, and that verse says, no good thing will he withhold from them who walk uprightly. About three, four weeks ago, a few weeks back, I was going through some struggles. I had some big decisions to make and dealing with some pretty serious issues, and I was really hesitant. I was really fearful, frustrated, whatever the words are, and, uh, and I got through it. It happened. And as I was here that next morning after the event took place and I got through it, I'm here praying, and I just thank God. I said, God, thank you for helping me with that. I could have never done this without you. And I heard God say this voice, no good thing will he withhold from you who walk uprightly. I heard God say that to me. And I knew it was in the Bible, I just didn't know where until I looked it up. And of course, that is the truth of God. It is a promise. No good thing will he withhold from them who walk uprightly. Now listen, I know it's August 19th and not December or Christmas time. But on December 25th, on the day that Jesus was born, I'm just kidding. We don't know when he was born. But on, on, uh, when Jesus was born, <clears throat> The Lord spoke to both Joseph and Mary and said these words, said that she's going to give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus is what they said. You're to give him the name Jesus and, uh, and you are not to only call him by that name of Jesus, but uh, that is going to be his name. I have another name for him as well. And we find in Matthew chapter one, verse 23, and it says these words, it says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him, say it with me, Emmanuel. Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. This is incredible. You talk about personal. You talk about God wanting to speak to you personally, wanting to have a personal relationship with you. He sent a son and his name is not only Jesus, but his name is also the Son of God. He is Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. Because Jesus is going to have this distinct, unique characteristic that is different from all the other gods, different from all other religions. He's with us. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is an awesome God. He is a personal God, and you can trust him. This God that we're talking about here at Word of Life, you can trust him. He is a God of his word, and he's personally with us. He's with you right now in this place. He's with you right now when you're out there uh, uh, in your car, going home, wherever you are. He's with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Would you give the Lord a round of applause? He is so good. God, you're good. You're good. Listen to me, I believe if you would let him, I believe that God is going to whisper and speak to you right where you're seated right now. And I don't know, I don't only want you to hear about this, I don't want you to only learn these things, but I want it to actually happen to you. I want that to happen. I've been praying especially hard these last few weeks with this series that God would do something because there is something that God wants to say. He wants to get right to your heart and tell you things. He wants to tell you that. And you may be thinking, well, why would God want to do that with me? I'm going to give you three reasons, and they're going to be quick, and we're going to be out of here because i got a bike ride to do. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're running out of time. 
Three reasons why God wants to speak to us. Number one, number one, God speaks to facilitate friendship. God speaks to facilitate friendship. In James chapter uh, 2, verse 23, New Living Translation. And so it happened just as scripture say. Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called a friend of God. Now we've been talking about this, I realize. But there's a lot of people out there who don't see God that way to be our friend. And again, I know we've talked about this the last couple of weeks, and there's only one more thing I want to say, and we'll move on from the friendship. This is a very quick point right here. But let me go a little bit deeper with the friend, this friend thing by saying this one statement, and it's on your notes. God wants you to be you with him. God wants you to be you with him. In other words, uh, he doesn't want you to be religious. He doesn't want you to be perfect. He doesn't want you to be spot on with everything in your life and now therefore you can come and talk to him and pray to him and expect to hear from him. He's not wanting that from you. It's not that what he's looking for. In fact, it's just so much more intimate if you are you as you go before God. As you tell him exactly what's going on inside of you, the hopes and expectations and the dreams of what you want from God, as well as the reality of life that you're dealing with, it is just so much more important. In fact, Matthew chapter 11, out of the Message Bible, I love this. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. <clears throat> Jesus says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burnt out on religion? Come to me and get away with me and you'll, you'll recover your life. I'll, I'll show you how to take a real rest and walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay any heavy or ill-fitting fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Listen, I'm trying to convince you today with what we see within the scriptures is that God wants to have a personal relationship with you. He wants to be your friend. God speaks to facilitate friendship. He wants you to be his friend. And it's up to you if you do that. Point number two is God speaks to give us guidance. God speaks to give us guidance. Isaiah 28, verse 29. This also comes... This also comes from the Lord of hosts who is wonderful in counsel and excellent in guidance. Isn't that incredible? The word of God declares. You see, the reason why he's excellent to give us guidance is because the Lord sees danger. He sees, he sees what's on the road ahead of you that you're traveling on right now, this very day. God loves you and he's wanting to guide you. But when God goes to guide you, there seems to always be a tension. We have tension with God trying to guide us. In other words, let me say it like this. If God guides you away from something that you're doing, then you're probably not going to agree with what God wants to do to you. The tension right here is because you wouldn't be heading in that direction if you didn't think that was the right direction you should go in. And all of a sudden, the God of heaven begins to speak to you and say, I want to redirect where you're going right now. And you and I, maybe you don't, but Randy Chiz has multiple times. God, I don't want to go there. I don't want to do that. I don't want to see him. I don't want to see her. You know, whatever those things are, we, we have that tension of not doing that. And what you need to know is that your God sees the end from the beginning. He has a perspective on things that is unbelievable. Some of the hardest things I deal with as a pastor, there's a lot of different things, but the most hardest thing that I deal with as a pastor is dealing with this thing called death, the death of loved ones. 
especially when it's children, especially when it's children, because the question always is, why? Why did this happen? Why did he or she have to die? And I'm telling you, experiencing this myself, it's beyond words. It is beyond words to help you to understand what it is that a parent goes through when they lose a child. But even in death itself, even in the worst of the worst that could be happening in a family, in a relationship, even the worst of worst, even in death, death itself, and again, I don't care the age, it doesn't matter, God knows something of that person's future that no one else knows. He sees something, he knows something that no one else knows. Let me prove it to you. In Isaiah chapter 57, verses one and two, incredible, incredible. This was a life preserver for me when I was going under with the loss of our son. But it says here in uh, Psalm 57, verses one and two, good people pass away. The godly often die before their time, at least what we think to be before their time. But no one seems to care or wonder why. No one seems to understand that God is protecting them from evil to come. For those who follow godly paths will rest in peace when they die. God has a perspective. He has a perspective of things and he guides us and he leads us as a result of that. And for many other reasons, not just death, but for many other relations, uh, reasons, relationships, finances, career, whatever it is you're doing in your life, God has a perspective on that. He has reasons why he would want to guide you and I personally and individually. In other words, God is saying, I know what's on the other side of this and you don't really want to go there. Not because he's threatening you, but because he's protecting you. He's your father and he loves you. And he doesn't want you to go down that road. He can see things that you and I cannot see. So we need to take steps of faith as God speaks to us. Again, regarding relationships, financial decisions, careers, friends, and maybe even the loss of a family member. 15 days from today is going to be my son's second anniversary of his death. It's always on our mind, but it's never going to hold us back. Re regarding all of those things, God wants to guide you through things that you cannot see. Point number three in my final point is this. God speaks to provide perspective. God speaks to provide perfect, uh, perspective, which is uh, a new reality or a, a point of view. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says these words, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but I shall, I shall know just as I am also known, is what this says. You see, not everything we see is all that's going on. Let that sink in a moment. Everything we see is not all that's going on. Not everything you're seeing in the natural is actually what's going on. There is another dynamic going on, an eternal dynamic our God has both perspectives of both dynamics at the very same time. He has them. He understands them. He's living in them. He understands what every bit of that is. And the God of heaven is wanting to reveal or to unveil some things to you that's in this other realm. The realm where God lives, the supernatural realm. There's this realm, but there's another realm. There's the supernatural realm, which is outside of this realm. 
And God would love to have you open your mind to that, have an opening to that, that if God begins to speak to you about some things that may be crazy or wild or whatever, I'm not saying it's always God, but maybe God is in the midst of that for your life. God would want you to know things. In fact, he gives us hints of this in the scriptures. We find in 1 Corinthians 2.9. Oh. Oh. All right. Hang with me. Dear Jesus, I don't like computers. <laughs> oh my God, I can't even get out of this. Let me go to the scripture up there. <clears throat> this is, the, uh, God wants, God sort of teases us about the, the eternal things or the things that are on the other side. He says in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 2.9, he says, uh, eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of men who love him. Now, if you know anything about God, that should, that should pique some interest in you. It should be something that you would want to understand, something that you would want to see. We also find in the scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 2 through, two through, um, two through 4 in the New Living Translation. Put that up for me if you would. He says, I was caught up into the third heaven. This is the Apostle Paul. Paul is saying these words. He says, I was caught up in the third heaven uh, uh, 14 years ago. Whether I was in the body or out of the body, he says, I really don't know. Only God knows. And then he says this, yes, only God knows whether I was in the body or outside of the body. But I do know that I was caught up, the Bible says, into paradise and heard things uh, 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 so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words that no human is allowed to even talk about. He was, he was uh, teased by God. I don't know if that's the right word. It's not the right word. But he was shown by God something of the eternal on the other side. And he just says, it's mind-boggling. It's something beyond our imagination of what it is that God would want to do. We all, whether you know it or not, uh, this world that w is not our home, this world that we're living in is not all that there is. We focus way too much on this life as if this is all that life is about, is this 40, 50, 80, 90 years that we have to live on this planet. If this is not what it's all about. And death is so final. In this life, yes, relationships are over when we lose somebody. I understand that. I get it really clear. But there's another perspective. There is an eternal perspective that goes beyond this life. And God speaks to us to provide us that, 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 uh, uh, that understanding, that perspective. This is not going to be easy to say as I close off. But let me talk about this. There is a real heaven and there is a real hell. And we see in the scriptures that people are going to spend eternity in one of those two places, one of those two places, heaven or hell, and you need to know there is no in-between. There is no in-between. The Bible is clear on that. And yes, we believe in heaven, but, but are we convinced about hell? 60% of American Christians believe that hell is only a myth. It is not a reality. 60% of Christians believe that hell is only a myth. Do you know that the Bible refers to hell 167 times? 167 times. Jesus preached on hell 33 times in his three and a half years of public ministry. So 11 times a year, that means 11 times a year, Jesus preached on hell, which is almost once a month. Why would he do that? Jesus preached it because he knew it was real. Hell is a real place. Every person of every generation, past, present, or future, are either going to be going to heaven with God 
or there are going to be people who are going to go to hell eternally separated from God and others forever. And it wasn't created for them. It was created for the enemy. It was created for the evil forces of darkness. But the consequences says, if you don't receive Christ, if you're not born again, if you don't believe on God, there's an eternal separation from God and from others forever. There's no hope in heaven. And man, that's a hard reality. That's a hard perspective, a point of view that that God has that we need to somehow or another grapple with that we can understand it. Deal with that today. Deal with that tomorrow or next week. And I'm telling you, as far as God is concerned, this is a really big deal. And we need to uh, reach people who are far from God. We need to reach the irreligious and the unchurched at all costs. Somebody give me an amen. To do anything short of sin, to, to reach people, to sh- tell them about the love of God, and to share your story with them on how God has changed your life forever. The reckless love of God causes that to happen for us. I want to conclude. I want to conclude with a, an incredible encounter that happened to me with an old high school friend whose name is Larry. Nick and uh, Barbara Adrianos um, have attended this church for the last number of years. And uh, Nick had passed away in March of this past year. And on May 19th, I did the burial. After the f- ground was frozen and recovered, I did the, I did the burial for Nick. And uh, while I was there at that, I had heard of a friend of mine, this guy Larry, his last name is McCann, Larry McCann. I had heard that Larry um, was in Texas, living in Texas, and he's in very critical condition and is soon to die, could die at any moment. I'm, I'm being told this at the burial about this, and, uh, and uh, I had no clue. I had no clue that, that uh, somehow or another Larry got back to Syracuse, New York in his final days of life. A few days prior before this day that I'm talking about. I'd found out, I found this out a little bit later. And after the burial, I felt a prompting of God. I felt that God spoke to me and told me to go to Upstate Hospital. Now, the whole reason why I'm going to Upstate Hospital is because we had a precious little one uh, by the name of Jelena who is part of the family. Grandpa is sitting right here right now. She was born and she was having some real serious health issues. So she's about a four-month-old, five-month-old at this particular time. And when I felt the Lord tell me to go to Upstate Hospital, I thought it was for her. So I went to the hospital to, to find her. I check, with, check in and they said, no, she has been, she has been uh, sent home. She has been discharged and she can go home. And I said, that's great. It's great. And I said, by chance, is there anybody here by the name of of Larry McCann? She looked it up and she says, yes, there is. Larry is here. He's in ICU and he's in extremely critical condition. Hmm. I haven't seen Larry in 45 years. I don't even know if he would remember me. I mean, we weren't close friends. His brother, younger brother, Jim, was really a good friend of mine. And Larry was a little bit more of a distant friend but I haven't seen him in 45 years. Didn't know if he would know me. I made my way to the ICU unit and got to the room and many of the family were there and of course they were all weeping and crying. Larry has tubes coming out of everywhere. He's sort of laying on this side and he's, he's got a breathing unit on him, whatever you call all that stuff. I don't know what you call it. And, and uh, I walked into the room and I introduced myself and uh, I told him who I was. My name is Randy Chiz and um, I know Larry. Um, and his wife said these words to me. His wife Darlene, his precious wife Darlene said to me, he's been asking for you. What did you say? 
He's been asking for you. He's told me that you're always on his mind. I couldn't believe it. And I asked the family, I asked them, I asked, Darlene, can I pray for him? And she said, I'd love for you to pray for him. So Larry is to the right, his, his wife and family and all of them are sort of behind me. And I get right down over Larry. I get right close to his face because I don't know if he, I don't even know if he's conscious. I don't know if he can hear me. I don't know anything. And I got down real close to Larry. And I said, Larry, it's Randy Chiz. Do you remember me? And slowly he shook his head, yes. And I said, Larry, it's really bad. Can I pray for you? He shook his head, yes, like this. I said, Larry, I want you to know that God loves you. He loves you and he has a plan for you if you would like it. And it's in a place called heaven. And he shook his head yes one more time. I knew that Larry was raised Roman Catholic. I knew that. I knew that much. So I knew he had some faith. And I said, Larry, do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe that he went to the cross for you? And again, he shook his head yes. I mean, it wasn't a shaking of head. It was just moving his head up and down once. And I said to him, I says, I want to pray for you, Larry. And I'm going to, and I want to give you, I, I want you to give your life to Jesus as I pray for you. Because if you do, I'm confident that you're going to be in heaven. You're going to heaven. So I'm going to pray this prayer. And he's got tubes in and, and I know he can't speak. And I said, all you need to do is to say it in your mind. Say what I'm going to say in your mind. So I went through the prayer. I began to pray with him and I, I got down and I was being loud enough because there's machines everywhere and I wanted the family to hear every single word I said. And so I prayed the prayer and, and uh, all of a sudden when we were all done, I said, to, I said to Larry, I got down real close to him and I said, hey buddy, did you pray that prayer? And he said, yes. And tears began to fly, fall down on his cheeks. Larry died early the next morning on Sunday. And they asked me to do the funeral. I mean, I was blown away, but they asked me to do the funeral. Two to three hundred people showed up at that event. And I saw many of my old high school friends. I haven't seen them in years. I know they heard about me and what I'm doing nowadays, but I haven't seen them in years. And I had the opportunity to, with them to share the dash. It's a message I typically preach at a wedding, a wedding, a funeral. And... Uh, uh, about the dash, and uh, not only did they get to hear that, but they heard me talk about Jesus and what Jesus has done for us and what he did for Larry. Um, God has a perspective because he, he, um, he can see and he lives in, he lives in the natural and he lives in the supernatural. And I don't know what you think, but I think that God has a plan I'm afraid that this may sound a little bit pompous on my part, and I don't mean it to sound pompous whatsoever. But I believe that God wanted to use me. I believe that God orchestrated all of this with Larry beginning to remember, remember Randy Chiz, and he's a preacher, blah, 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 and that somehow or another he'd back up to Syracuse from Texas. And he was in extreme critical condition as he got here. His family drove him up here to be with his family. Had no clue when I went to the hospital that I was going to go see Larry at all, it was going to see Jelena. And I had that opportunity. God gave that to me. He let me be a part of that. And God wants to do the same thing with you. God wants to use you, he wants to speak to you today. I'm gonna to ask if you would please, would you please stand to your feet?
If you're here today and you're not sure what you think about God, if you're not sure about the church and about the Bible, we get it and we're okay with that. We really are. And I'm so honored that you would even consider coming to Word of Life. We understand some of the hesitation, but yet we're so glad that you're here with us. I can tell you my friend at 16 years old, I gave my life to Jesus and everything changed. And that can happen for you. What God did for me, what God has done for hundreds of other people that call Word of Life their home, it can happen for you if you would dare to take a step toward God. Committing to know God is a, something that only you can do. I can't do that for you. Nobody can. Committing to know God is your decision. So I'm going to ask if you would please bow your heads and close your eyes. Because I want this to be a private moment for you. If I could have our intercessors make their way down front, please. <clears throat> if you want to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to pray for you. I'm going to say a quick prayer here in just a minute. And if you want me to pray for you in a minute, I'm going to ask you to hold, hold up your hand so that I can pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I want to pray for you. I believe that God wants to do something big in your life, my friend. And today is a perfect day for that to happen. And it's all on you if you would decide to do that. Maybe you're here today and you've walked away from God 25 years ago, 12 years ago, and you're back here. I'm thankful that you're here as well. And I believe that God would want you to make that decision. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, if there are any of you who, as I prayed this prayer, would want me to include you, would you just hold up your hand just for a moment? Let me, let me just say thank you, thank you. Thank you for the many. Thank you. Over on my right, thank you. Father God, I want to pray for every one of these people who have raised their hand. And I'm asking God that you would make yourself known. I pray, God, that you would invade them with your love and grace and mercy. I pray that they would sense something of the grace of God on them as they've never had before. I pray that, God, you would meet every need of their life. My friend, all you need to do is to say, Jesus, I believe. I believe that you are the Son of God. I don't understand it all yet, but I believe it. And I believe you went to the cross for my sin. And I realize I am a sinner. But now, because of what you've done, my sin is forgiven give you my life today. Become the Lord and leader of my life, I pray in Jesus' name. We're going to sing our final and last song, final worship song. And as we do, if you would like prayer, these people are here ready to pray with you right now. I don't care what your need is. You can come to them and share it with them. They will pray for you and you can go back to your seat. You don't need to be a member to be prayed for here at Word of Life. So would you please go ahead and start us in our song. And as they do, just come right down and uh, participate in the singing or get prayed for. Go ahead, Luke.